0: Isn't it wonderful to sing to the Lord and sing these praises to God? He is worthy of it all. It blesses our hearts to sing and praise God and worship Him. Amen. Good, Wonderful to see you here this morning. If you missed Sunday school, it was wonderful. I just encourage you to come to Sunday schools every Sunday morning at 9.30. We get started, and it's over about... Uh, About a quarter after 10 or so, we finish. And Amber and Reynolds taught today on Psalm 5. We're going through some of the psalms and just teaching and uh, expounding on what God uh, gave us in the psalms. It's been a wonderful lesson. I just encourage you to teach. Peter will be teaching next week on Psalm 6. If we're not raptured before then, uh, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus. Exodus. I thought Amber was going to steal my lesson this morning she turned here uh and read this and and all around it uh exodus chapter 3 verses 10 and 11 if you'll read that with me exodus 3 verses 10 and 11 come now therefore and i will send thee unto pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people the children of israel out of egypt and moses said unto god who am i that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. This is where the Lord appears to Moses. He had fled from Pharaoh's face uh, years before, about 40 years before. When he was in Egypt and living in royalty, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He fled. He didn't know God's plans of what all the Lord was going to do. But he was a shepherd. He got married out in And uh, was a shepherd tending uh, sheep out in Midian. And the Lord appears to him in a burning bush and reveals himself to Moses after he's been out there 40 years. And God has seen the affliction of his people. And he is about to deliver the Israelites from their cruel bondage of slavery. And he is going to bring them into a land, a promised land, that they were going to be able to call their own and inhabit. It all is going to come to pass. Well, this is where the Lord is speaking to Moses about that. And Moses says, who am I, Lord? Who am I that I should do this? And then I'll just read this from chapter 4, verse 13. And Moses said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom whom, thou will send. In other words, send somebody else, Lord. Send somebody else, Lord, besides me. And I want to talk this morning um, about this thought, because I think we all could be similar to Moses, probably in a lot of ways. And one of the one of the ways is this. I believe that Moses is saying to the Lord when God says, come here, Moses, I'm going to send you to deliver the Israelites, my people out of bondage. I'm going to send you before Pharaoh to confront Pharaoh and to lead my people out and bring them to the promised land. And basically, Moses says and I'm paraphrasing Lord you got the wrong man you have the wrong man I'm not the man for the job you made a mistake in choosing me for this mission you need to choose someone else okay and I think at times in our lives we could all be that way and feel that way and and be of that mindset Lord really you, you are calling me you want me to teach that Sunday school class Lord I've never taught the Bible before in my life. Lord, you want me to share the gospel with that person over there. They're far more intelligent than me and educated and so forth. You want me to share the gospel with them. Lord, you want me to head up that ministry into the nursing home. Lord, you want me to disciple that new young believer in the church, me. Aren't there people equipped for that, other people for that job? And we can be of the same mindset. God You've got the wrong man, the wrong woman for the mission. Choose somebody else. Choose somebody else. And at first it may appear or, or present itself, I would say, as humility, but it's really not humility, okay? And what I mean by that is when Moses is saying, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm basically, uh, who am I that I should go? And we're going to read some of his objections to the Lord, why he couldn't go in his mind, why he wasn't the man for the job. But we we may look humble, and, and I will say this, Moses was a humble man. We know that from the Bible. In fact, the Bible says in Numbers that Moses was the most meek man on the face of all the earth. It's a pretty good compliment. Meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said, take my yoke and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, right? You'll find rest for your souls. So meekness is a Wonderful, godly trait, not a false humility where you act humble all the time, but really you're prideful inside, but a real meekness and humility. That is a godly trait. But this, this Moses's objections to God's calling on his life, it really was not humility. What it was upon closer examination, it was actually fear and unbelief. It was fear and unbelief. And I can tell you this, God never gets angry at true meekness. It is the fruit of the Spirit, but God was angry with Moses. I'll read this. You don't have to turn there later in chapter 4. And when when they're back and forth, God calls him and Moses says, I can't and here's why I can't. He calls him again and and tells him, uh, this is what I've called you to do. Finally, it says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. He was mad. So it was not just meekness. Had it just been meekness, and humility, which is a godly trait, the Lord wouldn't have been angry at that. But it says the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So it's actually not humility when God calls us to say, oh, no, God, I can't. I'm not the one for the job. Choose somebody else. Choose somebody else. It's not humility. It's actually disobedience and fear and unbelief. And it's disguised as meekness, perhaps. But it's really not meekness. God calls us and we say no. God commissions us to something he's called us to do. Go share the gospel with that someone. Start this ministry. Start this Bible study in your home. Go disciple that new believer in church. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. And we say no. And we say not me. We say maybe someone else. And then we begin to tell God why. Why we can't do it. He made a hor- God, you made a horrible mistake in choosing me for this, and here's why. Don't you think the Lord knows all those things ahead of time? Moses is such a good example of this. I want you to follow with me in your Bibles. I want to do something. I want to just follow through. I've, I've written down five complaints, if you want to call it that, objections, in, the, in the, these two chapters, three and four of Exodus, where Moses objects and says, I can't, God. Find someone else, God. It's not going to work, God. Th- this is not going to work, God. You choosing me five times, and I want you to follow. We'll just briefly read these in Exodus three. We read uh, ten and eleven, okay? But let's read verses eleven and twelve. Moses said unto God, "Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt?" And the Lord, and He said, "Certainly," God says back to him. He's not angry at this point yet. He says, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt, out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. He said, This is even going to be a sign. When this happens, not if it happens, and I use you to deliver the Israelites out of slavery and out of Egypt. You're going to come to this mountain, and y'all are all going to worship me right here. He tells them that beforehand. Let's skip down to chapter uh, verse 13. Here's the second complaint, I guess, or objection. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I am coming to the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say unto me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? In other words, I don't have any, I, don't, I won't have the right things to say about who sent me. And God says unto Moses, I am that I am one of his names and he said thus shalt thou say unto the children of israel i am hath sent me unto you look at chapter four verses one through three and moses answered and said but behold they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice for they will say the lord hath not appeared unto thee and the Lord said unto him, what is that in thine hand? And he said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it, verse 5. And he said, this is going to be a sign. You're going to be able to repeat this when I call you to, to throw that rod on the ground. It'll become a serpent. And you can pick it up by the tail, and it'll become a rod again. It's just a sign, okay? That they Verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. Okay, let's look at chapter 4, verse 10. Skip down just a little bit. And Moses said unto the Lord, O Lord, my, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And a lot of people think he actually stuttered, as this could have possibly been it. When he spoke, he had a speech impediment or he stuttered. I don't know that, but he says, I'm slow of speech, and that is what uh, a lot of scholars believe was taking place with Moses. So he I'm not the guy to go talk to people and be a leader and an orator before people. And the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. One more. Let's read in verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled. No, verse 13. And, and he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of whom thou wilt send. In other words, he's basically saying send someone else. Just send someone else. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach thou, to teach you what to say. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he, shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God, okay? So every time that Moses had a, an objection to God, in other words, here's, God, you made a mistake. God, I'm not the one for the job. God, I can't do this. Send somebody else, please. I can't do it. I don't speak well, and here's why. They're not going to believe me when I go. To every complaint or objection that he had, God overcame it. God overcame it. And the main overcoming of it was the fact that the Lord says, I will be with you. I'm going to be with you, Moses. It's going to be okay. Whatever I send you to do, whatever you face, whatever hardness of your own people and the hardness of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, whatever pops up, whatever comes along in the course of you obeying me, I'm going to be with you. And the fact that God is going to be with us, that is what settles us that is what gives us the confidence that is what gives us the assurance that this is going to be okay this is going to be okay i can do all things through christ who strengthens me our focus and we have to ask ourselves because i don't want to just look at moses in his life i want us to think about our own lives when god calls us when he calls us to do something we've perhaps never done before or maybe we did it before we felt like we failed And it didn't go well. I'm talking about some Christian service or ministry or sharing the gospel or whatever it was and may be. Are we focused upon our own human limitations or are we focused upon the greatness of God? That's going to be the key to it. Are you focused upon your own human weaknesses, frailties, inadequacies, limitations? Or are you focused and am I focused on the greatness of God? That he is going to be with me, and so Moses had these five complaints. And there's some things that that we must know about the Lord. There's some things that we must be convinced about. It has to do with faith, y'all. But there are things that, all through life, not just when God's calling us to something, but all through this life, we have to be convinced of some things. And Moses had to be convinced. He was a believer in God. But his faith was going to be greatly challenged and he was going to be strengthened and built up. Never done. He shepherded sheep for 40 years, but he was getting ready to shepherd God's people. OK, and, and go and confront Pharaoh. There are things that we have to be assured of from the Lord and be convinced of. And number one, it's just two things I mentioning. They're very simple, that the Lord is the Lord and we're not. That the Lord is God and we are not. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, David says in Psalm 100. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know you, he says, that the Lord, he is God and we're not we ourselves. Amen. He's the Lord. So that's the first thing we have to be convinced of. And the second thing is that God can choose to use whoever he desires to choose and use. Very simple thing. He's God and I'm not. And God as being God can choose and choose to use for whatever purpose he chooses, whoever and whatever he chooses to use. He is God and he has that prerogative. He has that right. He also has that power to use, choose and use whoever he wants to. Hath not the potter power over the clay? Paul says in Romans, who's the potter and who's the clay? We know it very well. Almighty God is the potter. He's the maker of all things. We are the clay. And if we're born again, then we're clay in his his hands. He's fashioning us and forming us and making us into not what we thought we should be or planned on being, and what he predestinated us to be in Christ. He's making us more like Jesus Christ. He's making us a vessel of honor that glorifies his son, Jesus Christ, on the earth. He can choose to use anyone and anyone and anything he pleases to use to fulfill his purposes. Fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Even things like that snow and vapors. You know what? It's fulfilling God's will. It's what he sent it forth to do. It's accomplishing what God sent it forth to do. James says this, Hearken, my beloved brethren, speaking of believers, hath not God, God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith? Hadn't he chosen them, the poor in this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? Isn't that Who the Lord has chosen. We all know this passage. I'm I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 1, the end of that chapter. Paul says this, For you see your calling, brethren. Again, he's speaking of Christians, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen, hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That's God's way. It would not be our way. If we were God and if we were the ones choosing to do things and get things accomplished, that's not how we would do it. It's just not. He chose the weak things. He chose the foolish things according to the world's standards. Weak things, foolish things, and base things. Why does he do it that way? Because he wants to show himself strong. He wants to show show himself mighty. He wants Christ to be glorified. That's how he's chosen it to be. He chose a donkey, y'all, to rebuke a, call him a prophet. The Bible calls him a soothsayer. Balaam chose a donkey to open his mouth. He opened the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey began to rebuke the prophet for his waywardness. He chose David. David was the smallest and youngest of all of Jesse's sons. And God says, I'm choosing David. And David's going to be not only a man after my heart. I'm choosing him to kill a giant Goliath. He was the smallest one. He choos- chosen him to kill the biggest man. And then to shepherd his people and to be king of his people. He chose a 75-year-old man named Abram at the time and his wife that was barren, they were childless because she was barren. He chose those two to bring forth out of their loins, the Bible says, nations. He chose a despised tax collector named Zacchaeus to go and say, I'm going to have lunch at your house today. And he brought salvation to that home. He chose a young virgin Engaged to Joseph, he cho- chose a young virgin to be the vessel through which he would bring his only begotten, begotten son into this world, to be the savior of the world. He chose 120 people, and I would say mostly unknown. We don't know most of the names of the 120 that were in the upper room. It's the early. That's the church. He chose 120 people, mostly unknown by name, but they were believers. And he chose that 120 upon whom he would pour out his spirit and his power. And through whom, the Bible says, he would t- turn the world upside down. Is that amazing? Turn the world. I mean, we're talking about Rome, Roman Empire and its heyday and all that was going on. And 120 nameless people, basically, he uses to tr- turn the world upside down. And the question for you and for me this morning isn't, and you think God can't use you? Can speak through a donkey, can speak a barren wife woman to, to bring forth nations? And you think God can't use you? You think the potter cannot fashion his vessel and fit it for his use to do what he desires to do? You think God can use others? to fulfill his purposes, and to accomplish great things on this earth, but he can't use you. God wants us to, to trust him. God wants us to trust him. And I'll say this, whatever God has called you to or calling you to, just because you haven't, or he's going to call you to, maybe this morning, just because you haven't done anything like it yet or before, does not mean that Almighty God can't use you to do it tomorrow that's not me i can't do that it's beyond me it's not doesn't it doesn't fall within my talents and abilities killing a giant did not fall within david's talents and abilities the bible says when he was a shepherd just david and sheep just picture him not his brothers not other helpers just david and a flock of sheep that he was responsible for and god don't forget the lord That when a bear came and took one of the sheep and was carrying it off in his mouth, David went after him. A shepherd boy, he grabbed the bear by his beard, okay, and he killed it, and he rescued the sheep out of his hands. And when he's about to, and the same for a lion, and when he's about to fight Goliath, he said, the Lord did that through me. God gave me the power ...to do that. That did not lie within his natural strengths, abilities, job description. We'll pick David, because I think he could kill a bear with his bare hands. It, it, it was God. It was the Lord. And so, just because something you haven't done something before... ...if God's calling you to it, it doesn't mean you can't do it tomorrow. It may be something you've never done or never dreamed of doing before... ...and God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you for my glory to do this. And just because it doesn't lie, whatever he's calling us to do, doesn't lie within your natural giftings and inclinations even, it doesn't mean that God cannot equip you and enable you to do it. He most assuredly can. If he calls you to it, he will equip you for it. Amen. And so this is the Lord that we serve. All he needs On our part, you know, all that the Lord needs to do things like kill Goliath through a shepherd boy. All he needs is a clean vessel. A clean vessel that's fully yielded to him. I would say a willing vessel that our will is is to say, yes, Lord. And we mean it just a a willing vessel that will trust him and trust him to be God and trust trust him to keep his word that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He needs a clean vessel that is sanctified in meat for his use, the master's use, it says in 2 Timothy. We're the vessels. There's nothing honorable in and of itself in just the vessel other than the treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He need God just desires, And can work in and through whatever he desires to, as long as that vessel is clean and yielded to him. And y'all, he's the one that cleans us. He's the sanctifier. So we come to him, and we're sanctified, we're forgiven, we're cleansed. And he is the equipper, or the enabler, or the one who empowers us. He's the giver of the Holy Spirit. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. And he's, he's able to do everything that's needed in that vessel whatever is needed he is able to do in that vessel to prepare it for his purpose and his use for the job at hand for what is coming next y'all know that as a church uh, as christians and just a church worldwide and it's cornerstone i'm always looking for for what's next i mean i'm not not something new or different doctrinally or or some different type of worship i'm saying what There's always believe that there's more that there's he's whatever he's doing in Cornerstone now and in your. He is getting us ready for whatever he has next. And I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't know if all of a sudden what we're doing today might become very illegal tomorrow. Like tomorrow we wake up Monday morning. He's preparing us now for whatever is next. Who knows? You know, I think about God sending John the Baptist. Is was you know ordained for his ministry, just for a brief time. He was that uh, shining and burning light, right? But God sent people to him out in the Judean wilderness by the Jordan River. He God sent people, and they went out and he preached to him, and they're being baptized in the Jordan River for repentance of sins. What wonder sometimes if God would just. Send people here. I wonder if, if if God's just maybe things get so dark and in the world spiritually, and and people are crying out, and this has failed me, and this has failed me, and I need Jesus. Like Duncan Campbell talks in the uh, in the revival hymn, part of his sermon in the Welch revivals, and those revivals that he was the people people were just getting right with God and they didn't know where to get right with God they just showed up at his church or the church where he was meeting and it wasn't like they were normal members or regular visitors or anything the Holy Spirit started throwing them and they were lined up outside this church because they knew God was there and there were other people that were lined up at the police station because they knew that the sheriff was a godly man And they just showed up at the police station wanting to get their lives right with God. God can do that. And I want to, I believe he's preparing us now for whatever is next. And there's some mighty, mighty way God wants to be glorified through your life and through my life and not just ours, but those that know him and in Cornerstone and through Cornerstone that There's something he's wanting to do. There's a purpose that we're here. Amen. And all he needs on our part is a clean vessel. And he's the cleaner, the sanctifier. And he needs a willing vessel that he can do. He's able to prepare it fully. And then he is able, he is, to do all through that vessel what he desires to do. Amen. He just needs us to put ourselves in his hands and stay there put yourself willingly in the hands of almighty god and stay there put yourself fully at his disposal and that's where i think a lot of us come short a lot of believers come short we want god to use us but we're there's strings attached to that my will is only surrendered so far if he took this from me what i still want him to serve. lord you can do this this and this take this from me and use me in this way but you can't take this from me and use me in that way we put strings to we attach uh, strings to the things and God wants us to be fully at his disposal use us up and use us for your glory and I also heard the voice of the Lord Isaiah said saying whom shall I send and who will go for us then said I hear here am I, send me. It's that attitude that we're, we're at his disposal and we want to be used by God because he's worthy. We have to remember this very clearly. When one of the things I said, we need to know he's God and we're not. But as God, I have been purchased, as him being God and me, a son of God, I have been purchased by his blood. Purchase means he bought me and he bought you. And we don't belong to ourselves. So there should be nothing that God would call us to that we could not and would not, by the grace of God, say yes to, Lord. God wants to do in us and God wants to do through us all that he desires and is for his glory. And he wants us to trust him for that. He wants us to obey when he calls. Our Lord is able to overcome every one of our objections, every one of our reasons, I'm putting reasons because they're not really reasons, every one of our excuses or reasons, our reasonings in our intelligence why we cannot possibly do what God's calling us to do. You just can't do that, Lord. That's, just, and here's why. Here's why we can't. And we say, Lord, you want me to do such and such, what about this problem? Or between me doing it and that thing being done, there's this big problem. There's this big obstacle why I cannot possibly do that. What about this problem? And the Lord says, I'll be with you, I'm going to take care of that. And then we say, Well, what about this one, God? What about this problem? He says, I'm going to take care of that. What, what about money? I'll, I'm your provider. I'll take care of that. I'm calling you to do it, not for your glory, for my glory. What about time, Lord? You know how busy I am. I'm tapped out as it is. What about time? He says, I, I, I'm giving you enough time to do what I've called you to do. What about my health? I've got some limitations with my health. And we going on about my limitations and why I can't. And the Lord is wanting us to, like, blow the fog away Say, are you looking at me? Do you see how mighty I am? Do you seriously think that little problem is anything for me to handle? What are you looking at, Randy? What are you focused on? Yourself and how you can't possibly do it on the bigness of the problem? You don't need to look at either of those things. I'm well aware of your limitations, and I'm well aware of the giant that stands in your way. But if you would get your glance up here, we heard it in our Sunday school this morning. Unto thee I'll direct my prayer and we'll look up. I'm going to look up. And when I look up and he says, you, you got it now? You see? Everything's okay. It's under control. And you're, like, you're right, Lord. It's very much under control. You got it. He wants us to trust him like that. What if... Abraham, for example, had said, Lord, the Lord says, I want you to be, I'm gonna call you to be the father of many nations. And Abraham simply said, No, God, I can't do that. Can't be the father of many nations. I'm not the father of even the one child yet. I'm too old, and my wife is barren and not but unable to unable to bear children. What if he had just said that? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged nothing about herself and even nothing about her barrenness. Because because she judged him faithful who had promised. It was a promise of God. And she said the one who promised is faithful. I believe that. That's all she was looking at. And because that's all she was looking at, that they, Abraham and Sarah both had their moments of doubt, but they didn't live in doubt. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Amen. He trusted Him, and the Bible tells us that. Let's just read it real quickly, y'all. Turn to Romans chapter four. It's worth turning to and reading. Romans chapter 4, and Paul's talking about Abraham and faith, the righteousness that comes by faith. Romans 4, verse 18. This is speaking about Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's not what he was considering. That was not what he was thinking about. You know, all that Abraham was thinking about is what God had promised him. That was it. Like I said, he had his ups and downs, he has his moments of weakness and doubt, but God strengthened him and he came back to a place of faith and then greater faith. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. I'll say this, y'all. We talked about Moses and the five objections. God overcame each one, right? I, I believe that it's, Moses could have kept on objecting. He could have thought of a sixth one and a seventh one and an eighth one, right? But at some point, praise God, he allowed, he allowed the Lord to convince him, that makes sense. Nothing changed in the circumstances, but at some point, Moses said, I got it. Okay, I got it. You really are going to be with me. I get it. At some point, the man allowed himself to be assured. And I will say this. Uh, I have seen people, I've seen Christians that refuse to be to let the Lord convince them. They won't. They won't. And 20 years from now, they're going to be exactly like they are now. They may be Christians. They may have given their life to Christ. But whatever God burden, he wants to lift from them, whatever he wants to call them to, whatever he wants to do next in their lives, whatever he's wanting them to step out by faith and lay hold on in this life for his glory, they just won't. Do it. They they won't. They refuse to be encouraged. They refuse to be convinced that God is with me. They just there's no point. At least up till now, I've met people and know people like this. No matter what God does for them and shows them, maybe a sign, a wonder, whatever He does for them, there's still is still not enough for them to be convinced and to rest in that and that's not a good trait it's unbelief it's a hardness of heart it's an evil heart of unbelief that would just persist in that when God shows himself mighty and strong like with David if God gave David said I want you to go out and get that sheep out of that bear's mouth and David went and God gave him the strength right and he delivered the sheep out of the bear's mouth and now God calls him to face a giant. What if David said, no, I, don't, I just don't believe that. You know, what? at some point, we have, to, we have to be convinced by the Lord that he is the Lord. This is God. I can trust him. And I've just met people through, through counseling individuals, and I have compassion on them. I genuinely do. But they will not, they will not be convinced of it. No matter what God does, God could do a, a new thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And they just keep throwing out another objection. Well, what about this, God? What about this problem? You, and the Lord says, well, you said money was a problem and I gave you this. Well, what about what about if money doesn't come in next month or next year? You know, there's just never is never enough what God does to convince them. Can I tell you that God wants us to be easily convinced by him? Not making up whatever you want to make up. I'm talking about when God has spoken something to us from his word or a promise he's made to our individual hearts and lives, we need to be convinced and know that he is that God to do that for us. So Moses objected, he objected, he, he doubted, he complained, he threw out excuses and reasons. But can I say this? He, he did come to a point where he was convinced. He did at first try to get out of his calling and to be Israel's deliverer, but the deliverer overcame all of his objections. The deliverer overcame all of the obstacles and objections. The Almighty God, the I Am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who does signs and wonders, the God who uh, made man's mouth and made Moses' mouth overcame he prevailed I want God to easily be able to prevail in my life I don't want to be fighting against the Lord what he's trying to do or trying to convince me of I want him to be able to prevail in my life Moses came to the point where he believed that's why we're talking about Moses today because he's one of the heroes of the faith Moses came to a place where he believed and Moses in believing yielded And Moses, in believing, obeyed. He obeyed the Lord. I'm just going to read this. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, go. This is after the fifth complaint. His Lord's anger was kindled. But then he finally said, and the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, go. Return into Egypt, for all the men are dead that sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon his donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod of God in his hand so with all the objections and complaints and here's why and God gets somebody else he came to a place Moses went he did come to that place where he went we need to come to a place where we go and we do what God's called us to do and we have all the scriptures to convince us that we don't have to complain and object for years and years before we do it let God convince you on Moses' part, and I would say on our part as well, absolutely, it took faith on his part, and it'll take faith on our part. There were 10 plagues that followed. You know, not only did it take that initial faith to finally put his, get his family together and start leaving the desert and going back to Egypt, there was that initial faith where he says, I'm going to do it, Lord. But if you've read through, and I know you have through Exodus, it didn't just go every, everything wonderfully. He says, Moses, I mean, Pharaoh, the Lord said, let my people go. And Pharaoh refused. And then he refused and he refused. And, ref- and then the peop- his own people were angry at him. And said, you've mis- made it worse on us, Moses. You've made it harder on us. He had to have faith not only initially to obey. He had had that day-by-day faith as well to hang in there and to keep trust in the Lord. I just thought this was interesting. There were ten plagues, blood, blood. Frogs, lice, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn. In every one of those, things were just getting worse and worse. Pharaoh's heart was getting harder, and the children of Israel were getting more and more angry at Moses, saying, You just took something bad and made it worse for us, Moses. He had to keep trust in the Lord, he had to trust God to say, Yes, I'll go back to, to Egypt. But he had to trust God day by day, y'all, and we do as well. We need to know that, that come to a place where we rely fully upon the Lord and not our own sufficiency. And that's where Moses was. And it doesn't take long for us to learn very quickly that we are not sufficient. We are not sufficient to do anything, to do anything. And the closer we grow to the Lord, the more we realize that. I was so, perhaps, so self sufficient. And we come to Christ and we realize the things He's called us to do, there's no sufficiency in our own. And every day we need to realize that and we need to rely totally upon the Lord for His sufficiency for everything. I'm going to bring this to a close. God did deliver His people from slavery, didn't He? We have a historical record. He brought them out of Egypt. And guess what? He used Moses to do it. And I would simply say, thank the Lord. Moses, I'm sure, thanked the Lord that, that the Lord did not hearken to his objections. What if God had just backed off and said, okay, I will find somebody else? You understand? What I'm it's the goodness of God that the Lord said, no, I'm going to use you. But God, I can't. I'm, I don't speak well. No, I made your mouth. Go. No, I can't. Objection after objection, isn't it kind of the Lord that he did not relent? Isn't it wonderful, the Lord, that he did prevail? I bet Moses was saying, Thank you, Lord, for not giving up, because he's Moses, and we get to talk about Moses. Moses got to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness, had water come out of the rock, saw manna come down from heaven. Uh, and even at the it did miracles he interceded and shepherded the people and at the end of his life God himself took him up on the Mount Pisgah and he died there with just him and the Lord and the Lord buried him so the Bible says and guess what Moses is one that got to appear with Elijah with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration I don't think any of this would have been Moses's life Had God hearkened to his first or second or third or fourth or fifth objection. Praise God that God prevailed. You know what? This, This is that no flesh should glory in his presence. He chooses the weak things and we yield. So when he's choosing you, whatever he's calling you to do, yield to him. Allow him to do it. Allow him to convince your heart and believe him by faith. That he can do whatever he desires to do through your life. Don't put limits on the Lord. I'm closing with this. Indeed, you can come. One of my favorite scriptures that I go to all the time in Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know. I am God. I will be be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. He just wants us to be that vessel that is yielded to him and that vessel that will believe him and be still. We don't have to complain and object and tell God all the reason things. He knows all that. That's why he's choosing us. He's choosing the weak things because he wants Christ to be glorified and confound in the wise. He's choosing weak things to confound and and bring to nothing things that are mighty. Amen. Y'all stand with me this morning. These altars are open. Whatever God's calling you to, if you have thrown out objections and cited your own limitations and weaknesses and frailties and all the reasons you can't possibly do it, would you come before the Lord and ask him to forgive your unbelief and say, Lord, prevail. Lord, I will allow you to convince me and assure my heart. I will allow you to use me in any way, shape, or form that you see fit. And I won't seek to rob your glory. And I will find my strength and my sufficiency in Christ and Christ alone. And I pray that you would strengthen our feeble hearts believe you God. I pray that you would not give up and just choose someone else. I pray you would use my life, use our lives for your glory and honor in Jesus name.